Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, everyone. It is November, and we are continuing today in our M&M series. If you are just finding us, welcome. We're glad you're here. M&M stands for Meditate and Memorize, and this month's verse is Psalm 150. We'll unpack that right after this. Okay, it is time for Psalm 150. If you have listened to me any amount of time at all, you know that we are entering my most favorite time of the year, the holidays, but especially Thanksgiving. I love the season of Thanksgiving. I love the opportunity to slow down and breathe and think back over all that God has done through the year. And I just want to say at the outset, some years, come on now, some years it's easier to step back across the months and think of all the glorious blessings, and some years are harder. Some years just are more challenging. Some years feel like you've been hit by a bus, and yet, and yet, there's always ample, ample things for us to praise Him for and to thank Him for. And I love how God continues to go before us. I chose this year's M&M lineup verses probably over a year ago, I'm sure. I'm sure that it was last October or November. So even before it was 2023, I had already laid out the M&M passages for each of the 12 months of 2023. And I just must confess to you that I continue to be so grateful and thankful and actually truly amazed at how God continues to go before me and meet me. It reminds me so much of the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, how he, scripture says that he had to go through Samaria And actually, geographically, he didn't have to go through Samaria. And as an upright standing Jew, he should not have gone through Samaria. But he knew that there was a woman who was going to go to the well, and he knew that she needed to meet with him. And you also know that that is one of my most favorite passages for hundreds of reasons, And I just love that Jesus met her exactly where she was. And that is what he does. That's not the only example in the ministry of Christ where he met someone exactly where they were. Sometimes people came to him. Sometimes he went to them. Sometimes it was a crowd. Sometimes it was an individual. Sometimes it was in broad daylight. Sometimes it was by a pool, by a well, right? No matter He always met the people where they were. And I'm finding this year, 
as we look at Psalm 150, one of my most favorite of the Psalms, I am finding it richer and fuller at the end as we wrap up 2023 than it has been to me in my whole life. And I think it's because it's been one of those years. And it's those years when thankfulness and gratitude seem more challenging than in the really glorious years when you're just firing on all cylinders, right? When things are hard and challenges are many and obstacles multiply and you're going through the water and you're going through the fire and then someone asks you, what are you thankful for? It's kind of like you're like, well, I'm still standing. (laughs) And anyway... And yet, it is through those times when I have found, and especially at this time this year, there's actually so much to be thankful for. And I think it's because when you're in those hard places, you are so hypersensitive to things to be grateful for and thankful for. You're so hypersensitive to His goodness and His faithfulness and His glory And I'm just telling you all that as we step into this passage today, because I'm pretty confident I'm not alone. I'm pretty confident that there are probably others of you out there who've had that year, and it's been tough. And as you face the holidays, maybe that's a tough thing also for a variety of different reasons. And yet, I want us to look at Psalm 150 today, and I want us to dare to dare to look at it with fresh eyes and open hearts and minds ready to receive what the Holy Spirit would teach us. And I want us to dare to go forward trusting and obeying that he has something glorious for us as we wrap up this year. Look, you may be glad to have 2023 in your rearview mirror, but I promise you, and somebody needs to hear this, it's not a wasted year. I don't know what you face. I don't know what you've walked through, but I promise you that the glory of God is that he is the great redeemer and that he doesn't waste anything. So whatever this year has thrown at you, whatever you have walked through, waddled through, waded through, whatever you've tunneled through, right? Whatever it's been, God, God redeems. And again, I want us to look at Psalm 150, and I want us to see again why, why, why praise the Lord. So the word praise is used in Psalm 150 13 times, and that's significant. Remember, we've talked many times that any time a word is repeated, We ought to perk up our ears. We ought to go, huh, what's that about? It could be one single word. It could be a phrase. We've seen that from time to time. It could be in a psalm. It could be in a proverb. It could be in the Gospels. We need to be paying attention to the words and the phrases, especially when they're repeated. And and we've talked about that when we talked in the Gospel of Mark, and we've talked about that here in Psalms. And so here we arrive at Psalm 150, and we've got this one word 13 times. Hmm, What's that about? I want to take some time to read the psalm in its entirety. I mean, it's only six verses long, and yet we're not going to be able to even touch all that's in here. And I would challenge you 
to perhaps, maybe especially if it's been one of those years, maybe especially to write this out, go on to BibleGateway.com, pick a version, right? One of the many different Bible versions, type in Psalm 150, find the one that really resonates with your soul, right? And write it out and put it somewhere, maybe stick it into your Bible where you spend time every day, or maybe put it on your mirror, or maybe put it, I don't know, in your microwave door, put it somewhere where you'll see it every day and dare to remember to praise him. We're going to look at the where to praise him, why praise him, how to praise him, and who ought to praise him. So let's begin by reading Psalm 150. I am reading from the NASB, and this is what the word of the Lord says. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, you've got to hear it, certainly when the whole thing is read through, that this is a call that no matter what you're doing, where you are, what you're in the middle of, your circumstances, your challenges, for heaven's sake, praise the Lord. So many times you and I can get stuck in a place where we're just really, we're almost incapacitated. We're paralyzed. We're not sure What are we supposed to do now? What do we do in this moment? How do we respond? How do we go forward? How do we clean this up? And the psalmist says right here, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look, when you're in doubt of what to do, and I have been there, I have been in moments in my life when I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how I got here. I'm pretty confident I don't want to be here, and I'm sure I don't know what to do here. This is your psalm, because right here, the psalmist says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And I'm going to suggest to you that you don't have to be in a bad place to need this psalm. I'm here to tell you too often, right, when things are going fabulous, things are going great, everything is just going according to plan. It's beyond what we could ask or imagine, right? And in those moments, the danger of those moments, and there is a very real danger in those moments, is that we get distracted by the moment and we forget our maker and we forget to praise him. And we forget that it is but by his hand that such celebration, such richness, such abundance is actually happening in our lives. So whichever extreme you find yourself in, or maybe somewhere in the middle, praise the Lord. We will come back after this break and unpack this a little further. All right, like I said... We're going to look at four different aspects of the praise the Lord. We start with praise the Lord. We end with praise the Lord. That makes up for two of the 13, right? And then in between, we have 11 more times that the psalmist repeats praise the Lord. 
praise him here, praise him here, praise him when, praise him how, right? All through. So we're going to start with where. And so this is just glorious. This first admonition here, praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Now, I want to suggest to you that right here in this verse, we have Genesis and Revelation. I mean, this is, this is amazing, right? So praise him in his sanctuary. I want to take you, uh, if you're driving, do not write this down. You have a PDF download study guide at rachelcarmen.com. So you can pull that off and print that out another time. But you might want to take some time to study Psalm, sorry, you might want to take some time and study Revelation 4. In Revelation 4, you'll remember this is John's revelation. This is his vision of heaven, things still to come. And in chapter 4 of Revelation, he has this view into the throne room of heaven, right? This is amazing. This is the sanctuary of God. And there are a couple of notable things here that I want you to see. What are the things that are said in the throne room of God? And we pick up in verse 8b, the second half. It said, well, I'll read the whole verse. 8 says, and the four living creatures, you'll have to go back and read Revelation 1 through 7 to read about the four living creatures. They are remarkable. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, and are full of eyes around and within. All day and night, they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In the throne room of heaven, these are the words repeated by these four beasts over and over and over. But there's more. If we skip down then to verse 10, It says this, and the 24 elders will fall down before him who sit on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne and say, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. So here the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Secondly, he suggests that we praise him in his mighty expanse. And this takes us, we were just in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. I would humbly suggest that this takes us back to Genesis 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. We are to praise him in his mighty expanse. We can look over also to Psalm 19.1. I love about the Bible how it complements each other. If you do not currently own a really good cross-reference Bible, I would encourage you to get one. This is an example. Cross-reference Bibles go verse by verse and give you other verses that reinforce or say the same 
thing. And we're looking at Psalm 150 verse 1. Praise the Lord in his mighty expanse. And yet the cross-reference verse there is Psalm 19.1, which says this, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. I want to ask you, when is the last time you have dared to take time out of the busy, away from the to-do, away from the must-get-done, away from the demanding list, right? And just stepped out and watched the sunrise or the sunset. Just this morning, my husband and I were headed out an early morning. Doctor's appointment had us headed out, and there was the most beautiful sunrise this morning. Colors of pink and red and orange with the blue Carolina seeping through and the white. It was absolutely stunning. And I've seen sunsets like that too that just literally take your breath away. And you know what's most remarkable to me about a sunrise and a sunset is the true brilliance and the brightness of the colors. It only lasts for a few seconds and then it fades away and it is gone. But for those two distinctive times of the day, sunrise and sunset, God is showing off. God is showing off who he is, his might. He is reminding us that he did that. He made those colors. He made those clouds. And he's saying, look at me. Remember me. This summer, actually, at the end of the summer, actually, in October, my husband and I went to the great state of Texas because I wanted to see the Milky Way of my childhood. I haven't seen it in a long time. All of the light pollution that is now part of our everyday living, I suppose, obscures it. You can't see the Milky Way. When I was a little girl growing up, this probably dates me. I remember going to Arkansas in the summer and being able to see the Milky Way routinely. It was, in fact, I would, I will confess, I, I take it for granted having been able to see it in my childhood and you can't anymore. And for my birthday, I told my husband, I I wanted to see the Milky Way. I wanted to see it again. We went out to the hill country, got a cabin way far out, and I saw the Milky Way. And I was reminded of creation and that God placed those stars. And that God, that God who placed those stars loves me and he loves you. And the psalmist is saying here, praise him in his mighty expanse. So where do we praise him? In his sanctuary. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Where do we praise him? We praise him in his mighty expanse. We dare to take time to go out and look at the beautiful sky. Here we have the blessing of the Carolina blue sky. We had it today. And we praise him. And we lift our hands and we praise him. But why do we praise him? The next verse points to that. He says, praise him for his mighty deeds. And I want to suggest to you that's what he's already done. What has he already done? We can go back to creation and Genesis, the whole account in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 of in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
and those accounts march through every day of creation. We can also go, and I, again, I would call your attention over to Deuteronomy 11, verses 1 through 7. It's just Moses speaking to the people about the rewards of obedience. You remember that the book of Deuteronomy is the second time, and this is the people are given the law because the first generation that actually walked through the Red Sea and witnessed the ten plagues, they were faithless, and they fell in the desert. And the second generation came up, and Moses is still their leader, right? And this book of Deuteronomy is Moses delivering the message of God to the people of God, the second generation. And he says here in Deuteronomy 11, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. So looking in Deuteronomy 11, starting in verse 2, Moses is speaking to these, the second generations. He says, Know this day that I am not speaking with your sons who have not known and who have not seen the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, and his signs, and his works, which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and to what he did to Egypt's army, to the horses and its chariots, what he made the water of the Red Sea to engulf them while they were pursuing you. And the Lord completely destroyed them, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. See, in Deuteronomy 11, Moses is recounting for the second generation the mighty acts and deeds of God. And I want to suggest to you, you and I need to do that for our children. Not only from a biblical perspective, we need to make sure we're reading the acts of God to our children, creation, his provision throughout the Old Testament for his people, his faithfulness in spite of their unfaithfulness over and over, his sending of his son in the Gospels in the New Testament, right? The advent, the first advent of the birth of the Messiah, right? His mighty deeds, right? The gift of his son on Calvary, right? And resurrection on the third day. We need to make sure we are teaching the biblical narrative of God's mighty deeds to our children. We also need to make sure that we are teaching our children about the mighty deeds that he has done in our lives, in our lives individually, as we've seen him faithfully provide, as we've seen him faithfully protect. We need to make sure we are telling our children and also about what he's done for us as a family. We need to praise him for his mighty deeds. Secondly, it says here, according to his excellent greatness. We need to praise him for what he's done. We need to praise him for who he is. And mom, I'm going to ask you again. Dad, I'm going to ask you again. Do you know who he is? This psalmist is saying that we need to praise him for his greatness. This is yet another invitation for us to get to know who this God is. And you need to know that he's knowable. And one of the ways that we get to know who he is by spending time in his word, spending time on our knees, spending time worshiping him, which is the key invitation in this psalm, worshiping for who he is. 
So we've looked at where, we've looked at why, and now picking up then in verse 3, we're going to look at how. And the psalmist here really just gets explicit about how are we supposed to praise God? And that might be a question that you have. You're like, okay, okay, I get that I need to praise him, but I have no idea how. And basically, I just want to tell you, in verses 3 and 4 and 5, the psalmist says, I want you to go all out, and I want you to worship him. I want you to worship him. He outlines different instruments. He says, with the trumpet, with the harp and the lyre, with the timbrel, We think of that as the tambourine more modernly. With dancing, he says, with stringed instrument, with the pipe, with loud cymbals, with resounding cymbals. He's like, I want you to get serious about praising God. To announce his glory and his goodness. To proclaim his glory and his goodness. Right? That's what the psalmist is saying. There are times in our life when our praise and our thanksgiving for God is a very private, a very solitary, and sometimes even a very silent thing. And sometimes, sometimes we just get loud about it. Sometimes it calls for dancing and celebration about what he's done and who he is. This last weekend, I had the privilege of being a part of the wedding of a very dear friend of mine, and it was a beautiful celebration of marriage. We ought to be about celebrating marriage. We ought about be about celebrating the love that God has given to us. The gospel message was proclaimed during the ceremony. There was the exchanging of vows and of rings, and there was great celebration. There was feasting. There was prayer. It was a beautiful day, and the people of God need to be people who celebrate the goodness and the beauty of God. Finally, the psalmist wraps up this psalm telling who needs to do this. Just a few people should praise God. Just a few select people, just the privileged people, just the people who are really blessed, just the people who have everything going great, just the people that it just looks like they're in the perfect position, just the people who have the platform. No, the psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. All of creation is to praise the Lord across the world. In every circumstance, every tongue and tribe, we've said, praise the Lord. This is what we are to be about day in and day out. Mom, no matter what you're doing, praise the Lord. Dad, no matter what you're doing, praise the Lord. Student, no matter what you're doing, in thought, word, and deed, praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done. Because he's already done for us. All that we've ever needed done in sending his son to die on Calvary's cross to pay our sin debt and then rising on the third day and granting us, making a way for us to be reconciled with the Father. He's already done it all. He alone is able. He alone is worthy. And as we wrap up this tonight, let me just say as the psalmist says, praise the Lord. 
We'll talk again next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grotheis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.